you know, not to kill the mood this morning, but uh, <clears throat> I think we'd all agree that, you know, our world is just full of some really difficult, uh, challenging news right now. And, uh, and that preview there doesn't even mention what's going on in your home uh, or what's going on in your life or maybe some of the circumstances that surround you personally. And um, I just want you to know that no matter how difficult uh, it is, the, the good news is that we have good news. Uh, we have good news, and our good news has a name, and it's Jesus Christ. And so uh, we need some of that good news uh, more than ever before, and Christmas is a great time uh, to proclaim that good news. And so chances are you've got some people in your life right now who are in desperate need of some good news. And uh, they're in your life, and they're in your life for a reason, and maybe you've been investing in them. Um, I want to challenge you uh, to consider inviting them to one of our services starting next Sunday. We start a brand new series called Good News, Great Joy, All People. And uh, we do have good news, right? And uh, we have been given this honor and this privilege of extending this good news for others to hear. But uh, specifically, is there somebody in your life that maybe you need to invite to be here with us starting next week and for the next few weeks? Um, I want to take a moment. I want to pray right now. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for who that person or who those people might be in your life. And let's pray that they'd be open to your invitation, all right? And come and join us as we share these messages the next few weeks. Father God, I pray for every person here today. Uh, and Lord, would you open up our minds and our hearts uh, to what you have for us? And uh, maybe for some, it's just crystal clear who this person is, uh, who that family member is, maybe that friend in their life, Lord, who needs an invitation. And would you prepare them, that person, to receive the invitation, Father, and to respond with the yes and to join us these next few weeks? Would you give us the courage, Lord, to go out and to extend these invitations, to invite people here? And I pray that you'd help us, Lord these next few weeks to proclaim the good news of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, and how that changes everything. And Lord, just, just challenge us to keep living with faith and uh, with joy and light for others to see. And even with what we're talking about here this morning as we wrap up this series, Lord, help us to see it and believe it and to know the responsibility that we have, every single one of us as followers of Christ, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, the hope that we have in him to this world. Guide and direct us now during this time. Lord, teach us and train us and move in us, God, as we're ready to respond to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I know that every one of you uh, is familiar with the game Follow the Leader, right? Easy game, kind of simple concept, popular game with kids. You know the way it works, right? You choose a leader. Someone's appointed, designated the leader. Uh, everyone else falls in behind. And then for however long you want to play, you just simply follow the leader wherever the leader goes. And if the leader goes under something, you go under something too. If they go over something, you go over it. You're mimicking the leader's actions Again, through this game, I had the opportunity uh, to play a grown-up version uh, of this game uh, recently, and I don't know if you're ready for this, but check this out. Uh, Mall Cop just kind of made that funny for everybody, right? Or Job from Arrested Development, right? Uh, there's uh, uh, the backdrop of Chicago, if you haven't figured that out already. I have uh, three new friends here 
Uh, all three of these guys are senior pastors of churches in Pittsburgh and New Hampshire and northern Indiana. We set aside some time together a few weeks ago just to, to meet in Chicago and spend a day and a half just asking questions of each other, talking about our churches, talking about some of the challenges that we're facing, lots of good things, and uh, it was a great time with them. But during one of our breaks, we decided to, to kind of get out of the room we were staying in and do something fun, and so we took this Segway tour, a two-hour tour uh, of the uh, lakefront area in Chicago with 30 minutes devoted to the training. Now, I got to be honest with you, I was a little nervous about riding a Segway, okay? I'd never done it before, all right? So I had no idea uh, what it would involve, but uh, I was nervous until I met our leader, all right? And we had a leader, we had a trainer uh, for this particular tour, and he was fantastic, all right? He, he was great. And uh, I was just reminded in that moment that a good leader makes all the difference, right? Isn't it true? I mean, if you think about some of the good leaders that you've been around, you know, someone you can trust, uh, someone who is helpful, uh, someone who is clear. We, we had a great leader, and he taught us everything we needed to know in about 30 minutes, all right? And then we spent the next 90 minutes, again, following him and around all of these different sites and uh, seeing Chicago from a really cool perspective. A, a good leader is everything, okay? I mean, think about some of the, the best teachers you have or some of the best teachers you've had in your life. And what makes a teacher so good? What makes a teacher so effective? Well, chances are they're helpful or they were helpful for you or they were patient uh, or their confidence in you uh, was the real game changer. Well, we're wrapping up this series today called In the Flesh. And for the last 13 weeks, uh, we've been tracing the life of Jesus. And because we want to make it our goal, all right, here at Genesis, to model our lives after Jesus Christ, uh, we've been examining his steps, trying to better understand uh, what he did and why he did it and how he used his time and used it very intentionally. And one of the fascinating things for me in looking at the life of Jesus is seeing the balance by which he ministered to the crowds, all right, and sometimes very large crowds, but he only discipled a handful, all right? Even throughout his public ministry, he ministered to the crowds, but he discipled a handful. And we know these men as disciples, and it's been fun to, to study the events of Jesus and to kind of consider uh, Jesus' life from their perspective too. And what we find is that Jesus was very intentional about the time that he spent with them. And he was diligent about his teaching and his, his training, uh, these men, uh, to make them into disciples so that they could one day go out and disciple others who would be capable of discipling others. Jesus was thinking movement, all right? He was thinking multiplication. All right, he was thinking about the fact that 2,000 years uh, later, we'd still gather on a Sunday morning like this to learn about him and think about how we might carry on the work that he gave to his disciples 2,000 years ago. And so Jesus started this movement, all right, with his public ministry, and then he spent approximately three and a half years uh, preparing his disciples to continue the work. And we know and we believe and we trust and we've been singing it this morning that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead and we've got victory today because of that. That's why we have good news to share uh, with our world. All right, but after his death, after his resurrection, the scriptures show us that he spent an additional 40 days on the planet and it was on one of those final days that Jesus gave the Great Commission. We talk about it frequently here. It comes out of Matthew 28 when Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to go into all the world and to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. His assignment, all right, for his disciples as he was getting ready to leave. His assignment for every follower of Jesus who has come since. And so our series is going to conclude this morning with the ascension, all right, of Jesus into heaven 
in Acts chapter 1. And if you've got a Bible today and you want to follow along with us, the New Testament goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. All right, if you turn to the book of Acts, we're going to study his ascension here for just a moment. Jesus' departure, all right, his ascension means the training of his disciples is complete. All right, his earthly work is finished. And the disciples, all right, if we're honest with ourselves here, I think the disciples had to be thinking, really? Like, like Jesus, you think we're ready, okay? Like, you think we're up for this task. You're, you're leaving? Like, now, like, what are we supposed to do? Like, you know, how are we supposed to go about doing this work, this assignment that you've given us? You ever feel like that as a Christian? Man, even as we've been talking about this together for the last 13 weeks and even before that, I mean, the responsibility that is on us as a church, the responsibility that is on you if you call yourself a follower of Christ to carry out this work, to carry on this assignment, that we have been entrusted with this assignment to make disciples for the rest of the world. You ever, you ever feel to yourself, really? Like me? Like what, what do I have to offer? I, I don't know enough. I don't, I don't know the answers to all of the questions. Like really, me? Like how or or now, like with everything that I've got going on in life, with everything that's happening around us in the world, really, me? Like us? That's what you have for us? Well, the good news is this. The good news is that Jesus had something special in mind for his disciples, as well as for you and me. One last thing that makes all of the difference, that made all of the difference for the disciples and for those followers of Christ that have come since and for you and me today, one last thing, and I want to check that out with you together this morning. Again, Acts chapter 1, uh, if you're there, Acts chapter 1 starting in verse 3, quickly Acts is a history book, uh, sometimes referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, it begins, Acts does, with the final days of Jesus' life on earth, all right, and then continues with account after account of the activities of the disciples and the early days of the Christian church. If you've been reading along in the Gospels with us and you're finishing up and wondering, what do I do now? I'd encourage you to read the book of Acts. See how the story continues in the book of Acts. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus has been crucified, all right, and he rose from the dead. Luke is the, the historian here, right? He has copied down these words and details for us. And so I want you to see for yourself where he picks up in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Look what he says. After his suffering, all right, after Jesus' suffering, he says, he presented himself to them, to the disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I want to show you a picture of the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. This church is standing today in the city of Jerusalem. It's located in the Christian quarter of the old city. I had a privilege of seeing this back in May. Many believe that Jesus was both crucified and buried at this location, all right? They've obviously since built a church on top of it, as many of the holy sites are in Israel today. Again, this is known as the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. The next picture here will show you a piece of the inside. This is what is known as the rotunda. I didn't take this photo, but this is a much better photo than what I had. But the uh, monument that is in the center there marks the spot where many, some believe, that Jesus would have been laid, uh, where he would have been buried, okay? Now, when we were in this site, you can walk around in this rotunda, uh, there was a two-hour wait uh, to, get in to get through the line to get down into this location, so we didn't take the time to do it because, again, we're not for sure that's the exact spot, all right? But again, we're in the neighborhood 
again, where his death and his resurrection took place. Now, we know from the text, again, that Jesus was crucified on a Sunday, that he rose from, or on a Friday, that he rose from the dead on a Sunday, and then according to the accounts provided by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there was a period of about 40 days by which Jesus made different appearances to the people and to the disciples. And we know from the scripture that he appeared to Mary Magdalene and some other women. Uh, He appeared to his disciples more than once. He appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, uh, followed by, again, the rest of the disciples on multiple occasions. Eventually, Jesus is going to go back to the area of Galilee, okay? And there are several accounts where he once again appears to his disciples in Galilee, and so he's going to spend this time with them, and he's going to take them and maybe others to the top of a mountain there, a mountain that is known as Mount Arbel. And Mount Arbel is located over here in the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. We had the chance to go there. This is one of my favorite pictures from my experience and one of the favorite moments that I had of our entire trip where we actually climbed to the top of Mount Arbel. You can take a bus to the top or you can climb to the top. And we climbed to the top just like Jesus and his disciples would have. And so there I am, the second person in the line there as we're making our way to the top. But when you get to the top, the next picture here will show you Uh, Well, the perspective, and if you can imagine Jesus taking his disciples there, Matthew 28, going to all the world, all right, what perspective for them, and make disciples, there's the Sea of of Galilee, again, in the background, and our teacher there standing front and center, teaching us about this moment, man, what what a marker, you know, to imagine, like, the disciples were with Jesus right here as he gave this great commission, okay? Now, Jesus had 40 days from his resurrection to his ascension. And what did he use that time for? Well, according to Luke's account here again, if you look at Acts 1-3, Jesus gave many convincing proofs to the disciples that he was alive because it was kind of a big deal, all right? It's a pretty big deal that if you're going to release these men and women to continue the work to make disciples, they better believe, all right? They better see with their own eyes that Jesus is alive. And so again, if you're going to set them loose, you better make sure they know. Now think about some of the convincing proofs in your life. What did it take for you to to step across that line of faith and believe? Or maybe you've had some convincing proofs in your life that are just great reminders that this is true. Like this changes everything. Like I, I think about some of those moments in my life. First of all, my baptism when I was about 12 years old. I'll always remember that day. I'll always remember that moment of going into the water and out of the water, I think about my life as a pastor. I remember I was a really young pastor, and uh, I was scheduled to preach the Sunday after the events of 9-11, and I, I thought for sure the senior pastor would step in, and rightly so, and push me to the side and speak to our church in that moment, but he had to be at a retreat in Missouri, and he chose to, to go through with that retreat, and so it left me as a really young pastor to preach to our church in Michigan on the events of after 9-11. And man, I just want to talk about convincing proofs of seeing Jesus at work in that moment and on that particular morning in that church. Like it was a great reminder for me. I, I think about those visits to Haiti, you know, with teams from Genesis. Some of you have had an experience like that. And even in the pain and even the suffering, the joy, the overwhelming joy that you see in Christ followers there. I, th- I think about watching Jesus change lives in our church. You know, for me, these are convincing proofs 
that Jesus is alive. They're great reminders. They encourage me. I hope you've got some events like this in your life too. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He used these 40 days to encourage uh, their faith. But I think he's also putting some finishing touches on the strategy. All right, I'm thinking about this command to go into all the world and to make disciples. That's a big responsibility again, right? We talk about the faith of the disciples, talk about the faith of Jesus to entrust the disciples with the assignment and with the work. Well, the 40 days are up, okay? By the time we get to Acts 1-3, Jesus, uh, the disciples, and potentially many more have made their way back down to Jerusalem, to a place called the Mount of Olives, which in the scripture, Luke refers to it as in the vicinity of Bethany. Here we're standing on the the Mount of Olives. You can see the Dome of the Rock in the background. You can see how close we are at the Mount of Olives to the old city here. And listen to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and kind of picture the Mount of Olives, if you would, for Jesus and his disciples. Luke records this. On one occasion while he was eating with them, we don't know for sure where they were eating, Uh, He gave them this command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, my guess is that it was a little risky for the disciples and for Jesus to return to Jerusalem, all right? Again, there's been some hostility there around Jesus' life uh, and death. And so Jesus says to them, don't leave Jerusalem, all right? Even as he's preparing to leave, he says, I want you to wait for the gift my father has promised what you have heard me speak about. Now, what's the gift, all right? What's, what's Jesus getting after here? Well, think back, if you would, to last week, all right? If you go back to the Gospel of John, one of the conversations that Jesus had with his disciples in the upper room was concerning the Holy Spirit. That conversation happened the same night that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Now, maybe you read those words this week on your own. Maybe you read them with your connection group. But listen to Jesus and what he had to say to his disciples in that upper room in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, again, this is before his death. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now let's look at a few words in this text here for just a moment. Notice that Jesus says, and I will give you another. It literally translates one like the first, all right, or just like Jesus really from our perspective today. He uses this word advocate, which comes from the Greek word parakletos, all right, which means to come alongside of. This is one that will intercede for you, all right, and be with you. And we know this advocate today to be that of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say this about the Holy Spirit. And if you're thinking Jesus and God and Father and Holy Spirit, this is one of the great mysteries of the Christian faith, that God is one being made up of three distinct persons. One being made up of three distinct persons. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, sometimes known as the Trinity. And as much as I'd like to dive deeper in helping us understand how this mystery works, perhaps the best thing to do for this morning is to look at what Jesus says about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of someone who follows and trusts Jesus. Look what he says again in verse 17. He says, he will be with you and he will be in you. He will be with you and he will be in you. It's kind of like Jesus is saying, hey, I'm standing here with you right now. But I've limited myself in my humanity 
All right? And so because of that, I can only be in one place at one time. But get this. There's a gift coming. There's something coming. The Holy Spirit, the very presence of God is coming. And when he does, he will be with you and he will be in you. And I can just see Jesus grinning off to the side thinking, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) You have no idea what's coming your way. And why is this a big deal? Well, because here's the thing. Up until this point in history, the Holy Spirit only came upon certain people for certain assignments for certain periods of time. But all that changed with Jesus. All that changed with his life. And we know that at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended on him. And it was the Holy Spirit that guided him in and out of the wilderness. And throughout his life, Luke 4 says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, we believe, was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit for everything, that he did nothing apart from the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was in him, all right, and worked through him. And the great news is the same is true for us. The same is true for you today if you're in Christ Jesus, all right, if you call yourself a Christian, if you've surrendered your life, if you've put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is the power and the presence of God in you, ready to work through you. We're worthless without the Holy Spirit, all right? We're worthless on our own, and Jesus modeled this perfectly, and that's why he was able to say, wait for the gift, all right, to the disciples, wait for the gift. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to live in you and to be with you and to work through you. And later on in John, Jesus said, it's actually to your advantage that I go. Like you're going to be in an even better position when I go because what's about to happen to you is better and greater than what you have with me right now, even with my physical presence. Try and get your mind around that. Like that if you had the choice to be physically present with Jesus as a disciple, Jesus is saying, no, it's actually going to be to your advantage that I go because something's going to happen in and through you like you've never seen and experienced in your life. It's as if Jesus is saying, if you could choose between, again, what you have with me in the physical now or the Holy Spirit inside of you, trust me, you'll want the Holy Spirit in you. It's far greater. But they had questions, just as I'd have questions, we'd have questions if we were standing there with Jesus on that day. Look at what Luke records in Acts 1, verse 6. It says, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And again, they were just, they were waiting. They were ready for Jesus to establish his earthly kingdom in Jerusalem and defeat the enemy, Rome, once and for all. And look at how Jesus responds in verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Basically, don't worry about my return. Jesus said, I I want you to get wrapped up in thinking about when I'm coming back to set up this earthly kingdom. Because the Father has a plan for that and he'll send me back when he's ready. But until then, you've got work to do. Genesis Church, let's just stop there and recognize this morning. I think we need to keep this front and center in our minds that even when times are tough, Even when we face difficult challenges, the confidence that we can have that our Father in heaven has a plan, that he knows the moment that he's going to send his son, Jesus Christ, back to this earth. But until he does, there's work to do. Until Jesus comes back, there's work to do. We are to go into all the world and make disciples until Jesus returns. And then verse 8. And verse 8 records Jesus' very last words. Uh, that we have recording of. And so therefore, I would say they're authoritative. Um, I would say at the same time that they have extreme 
great importance to us and that they are his last known and recorded words. Look at how Luke records them in verse 8. Jesus says this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's look at those words again. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and in your life. It's the Greek word dunamis, all right? It's where we get our word dynamite, all right? It means power. It means force. It means an explosion. Jesus explains, this is the kind of power that you can expect in you and to work through you as my disciples, God's presence, all right, living in you, at work, inside of you, a very gift from God. And what's that power for? Jesus says, it's the power to be my witnesses, to be my witnesses in this world. And the role of a witness is to give testimony to what you have seen and heard and experienced in your own life. Why were the convincing proofs so important to the disciples? So that they could give testimony to what they had seen and experienced. And because they encountered the risen Jesus with their life, they were able to go and tell others what they had seen with their very own eyes. And what did they know alongside of that? Well, they knew that Jesus was unlike anyone they had ever met. They'd spent the last three and a half years with him. They knew Jesus that made their lives different uh, and he made their lives better. He, they, uh, they, they knew that he loved people like anyone they had ever met before in this world. They knew that Jesus lived an obedient life, a faithful life to God, and they knew that he was the Messiah the risen Savior of the world. And Jesus knew what he was doing when he chose these disciples. And so he trained them and he poured into them and he modeled for them how life was meant to be. And they witnessed his death and his burial and his resurrection. And they listened as Jesus commissioned them at the top of Mount Arbel to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. And now Jesus was putting the mission in their hands turning it over to them, the work of making disciples. And again, because I'm sure they were thinking, thinking, how or what, really? Like now, us, me? Jesus told them about a gift that would come, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In 10 days to be exact, at Pentecost, you can read about it later today in Acts chapter two, but here's what Jesus was essentially saying to them. He was saying, I am going to give you what you need to go and do what I've asked you to do. Jesus' promise was the Father is going to give you what you need to go now and do what I'm asking you to do. Basically, there's a gift coming from heaven for you. And it's the gift of God's power and presence and it will provide you with everything that you need to go and do what I'm asking you to do, to go and tell people what you know what you've seen, what you've experienced and learned. And when the time is right, I'll come back. And so look what happens after he says these words in verse 9. Luke records, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And the cloud hid them from him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Can you see them? Can you just imagine them standing there looking intently into the sky thinking, really? Like, you're going now. Like, you, you're... you're you're leaving it up. How, 
how are we supposed to do this, you know? And I can just, the gift, the gift. I, I told you there's a gift. But to all the world, right? Like, we got to go to the whole earth. And Jesus was like, probably like, yes, I can see it from up here. It's beautiful. You'll love it, right? You know, his word is promise. And just like that, he's gone. Except for two angels that God sends just to make sure they didn't misunderstand. Just so they didn't stay there too long. And what's their message? Jesus is coming back. But for now, you've got work to do. And don't worry. The gift is coming. And sure enough, if you keep reading on in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit will come and enter the disciples. All of Acts is account after account of the Holy Spirit at work in the disciples as they shared their faith with others, as they stood strong during persecution. It was the Holy Spirit that changed lives. It was the Holy Spirit that grew the church. It was the Holy Spirit that enabled them to plant churches all around the world. Acts 2.41 records how the church grew to 3,000 people in one day. That was the Holy Spirit. All right, by Acts 4, that number grew to 5,000 by the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 6, 7 says the number of disciples continued to increase rapidly and eventually spread into Jerusalem, all right, Judea and Samaria, okay, and then eventually to the ends of the earth, all right, and 2,000 years later, there are churches and movements and followers of Christ all around this world rising up each day. And why? Because men and women and students for the last 2,000 years have dared to put their faith in a man who gave his life on the cross and rose from the dead. And for the last 2,000 years, faithful disciples of Jesus have laid down their lives and in many cases even given their lives for the sake of their faith in the risen Savior Jesus. And do you know what? It's our turn. Friends, it's our turn. Like, we're up. It's our turn now. For 2,000 years now, men, women, students, and children whose lives have been forever changed by Jesus have faithfully answered God's call to make disciples in this world. And it started with Jesus, and it continued with his disciples and others before us. But guess what? It's our turn now. And the mission hasn't changed, and the assignment is still the same, and your life as a follower of Jesus Christ has a purpose because of it. Our church has a purpose. We are here on this earth to make disciples. And if the thought of letting God use you like that for the sake of someone else scares you, guess what? Welcome to the club, right? Like, welcome to the club. I mean, the disciples were scared too, and they got to walk side by side with Jesus for three years, for over three years. And sure, there's training that's essential. That's what we're putting our energy and our effort into as a church right now is that sort of training. That's a big reason why we offer things like Multiply. I'm so encouraged and excited. We had over 100 people come yesterday to go through a training with us on what it means to be a disciple and what this looks like practically each and every day. And we'll offer it again soon. All right, our goal, our hope is that everyone from this church will eventually go through that training because we believe it's a big part of our role, again, as a church, to help you and equip you so that we can make disciples together. Let's look at those words of Jesus one more time in Acts 1 verse 8. Notice what he says once again. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you know what? Jesus says to them, you will, meaning in the future, and for them it was 10 days, all right, but they didn't know. 
But Jesus says, you will receive power. Guess what the advantage is that we have today? If you're in Christ Jesus today, if you have trusted him with your life, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the very power and presence of God in your life to be witnesses, as they were called in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that just means for us and for you today, again, if you're in Christ, that you have everything you need to go and do now what he's asked you to do. Maybe write that down in your notes this morning and think of it more personally, if you would, that he's given me everything I need to do what he has asked me to do. He has given you, he has given me everything you need to do what he's asked you to do. Here's what I want you to do with me for just a moment. If you want to just close your eyes for just a second. I want you to think about your spheres of influence for just a second. Like where you spend your time, where you play, where you, where you work, where you go to school. And if you haven't realized this already, to believe this for today, that God is ready to send you as a missionary into those circles. He is ready to send you as his follower. He is ready to send you as a witness into those circles. And the good news is that if you're in Christ, he has given you everything you need to do what he's asked you to go and do. And so that just means at school and in the band and on your team and on your college campus, at home with your family or with your roommates or at work or in your neighborhood or even just with the relationships that you're building right now, he has given you everything you need, his power and presence. And he's calling you and he wants to use you to make disciples. He's given you everything you need to go and do what he's asked you to do, to reach the world for him, to lead people to Jesus, just like the disciples did and so many for 2,000 years since. People like your friend or your dad, or mom, maybe your son or daughter that doesn't know yet. Maybe it's your wife or your husband. Maybe a neighbor, a, a teacher or coach. If you're in Christ, you're called as witnesses to make disciples in this world and by his power and presence in and through your life. Are you ready? to say yes to him this morning. I'll invite you to stand now if you would and if you just stand with me every single one of us here this morning and you can keep your eyes closed if you want. But maybe for you today, maybe as a way of acknowledging your desire to serve the Lord with all of your heart today. Uh, the reminder of the power that you've received in God's presence, maybe as a way of acknowledging that you're ready to go and to be a witness, to make disciples in this world. Maybe, maybe, just, maybe just open up your hands right now, palms up, just as a way, as a, an, an attitude of receiving this morning. Just your public acknowledgement. Maybe, maybe today will mark a day for you. This reminder that you have Christ in you, that you have the very power and presence of God in your life. And even if you don't know exactly what it means yet or what it looks like or what the next steps are, maybe as a way of receiving and opening up your life today. It's just a way of acknowledging I'm ready and I'm willing to follow and to serve Jesus as a witness to make disciples in this world.
just keep your hands up, your palms open, and let me pray for you to receive that this morning. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his example and his model for life. We thank you for the purpose, the calling that he has put on every single one of us and on this church to make disciples, to help people find their way back to God in this world. And we know that the church can't operate in and of itself. It's people. The church is made up of individuals. It's made up of men and women and students and children who open up their lives and say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm ready to give everything that I am and ever hope to be in this world. I'm ready to, to give it to Jesus. And, and today, remember and acknowledge that I have received his power and his presence in my life to go and do, Lord, whatever it is that you're asking me, that you're asking us to do. God, I pray for confidence today and strength and encouragement and hope and desire and passion and answers and vision and pictures and people and joy. The joy of seeing people come to the Lord and lives changed and maybe even our world changed by the hope of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ in this world. Father, move in us today. Move in us even as we walk out of this room here in just a moment. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing and respond this morning as the band leads us in this song.